Welcome to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at dtcpod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. As a D2C brand, you need real-time financial visibility to save money and make better decisions. Waiting for books from slow and expensive bookkeepers that don't get e-commerce is slowing you down. Trusted by hundreds of brands, Finaloop is a real-time accounting service built by D2C founders for D2C founders. Try Finaloop completely free, no credit card required. Just visit finaloop.com slash D2C pod and get 14 days free and a two-month P&L within 24 hours with all the e-com data and breakdowns you need to crush it. What's up, DTC pod? Today, we have the pleasure of having the Kippenbergers on the show. Um... So guys, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what you guys are, are building with um, one of our favorite brands, Vecule. Hey guys, um, thanks for having us on. So we're in Berlin at the moment. It's pretty awful. Uh, it seems that most people here like to drink and smoke and sit on the ground. That's the, the that's like the, the majority of what I can see. If you would take like a snapshot, like a 16-9 snapshot of anywhere in the city, uh, two-thirds of the picture would be filled with people sitting on the ground smoking cigarettes and holding a beer bottle. And then the rest of that image would be the sky. So like that'd be like kind of the only place you can look is up. And then uh, on the bottom side, that's the other thing you would see. So we're hiding here in our uh, in our studio because Joe got kicked out of America and uh, she lost her visa. And I had to come back here and um, be a good husband and um, so now we're here, and uh, it's nothing really new to us. We, we're, we're on the on the move with the brand. We don't really have any offices. I'm anti-office, if that's possible. And um, that's only because I've, I've worked in offices for a long time, and uh, my background is um, more industry-driven. I helped build up Vice here in Germany, uh, turned the magazine into moving images, and... Um, Back then, it sounds silly now, but back then that was that was like a thing that not everybody thought was going to work out. And um, so we, I learned early on that you can segue and pivot uh, a brand. And at that point, Vice was like I think ten years old. So it was in, in that time, it, there wasn't that many people out there. It was a, kind of an older brand, you know. And moving that to a moving image and news organization was sort of um, you know our task at the time with Spike Jones and, you know, just a handful of people. Uh, most of the people turned out to be on heroin later on and all got fired. So it was it, it was incredible that everyone was on heroin and really did a good job um, moving that brand forward. And I always liked that um, idea, you know, that you could be like Netflix shipping out DVDs and then by rolling the dice and taking one risk like their uh, House of Cards or whatever it was at the time, which not everybody kn- knew if that was going to work, uh, against Showtime and HBO at the time, it worked, and now they they own all of us and they make really horrible uh, content. But that's sort of my background. 
Uh, Joe is a little bit more organized. Uh, she she studied in in Switzerland, um, graphic design and visual communication, and she basically does everything we do that you can see and touch. I'm more the guy that just like stands around in, the, in his underwear and yells, and then she uh, kind of like does like the work and like makes everything look great. So that's our partnership, and um, yeah, that's that's just the qualifier, I guess, right? what people what you need to tell the people what people need to hear to like be able to accept the second part of the story <laughs> absolutely um just the qualifier just the disclaimer but one of the reasons we're really excited to have you guys on the show one um definitely one of my favorite brands just because i think you guys are doing something totally different than the way typical people approach brands and direct-to-consumer e-commerce and all that kind of stuff i think there's a lot of brands that are doing the same they're copycat brands off everyone else everyone everything kind of feels a little bit stale you guys have something that i think is a little bit different not just in terms of brand ethos but how you're taking things to market the way you guys pursue projects the way you guys innovate so um a quick background for the audience in terms of like how we even got to know each other um you know i'd been following along so vehicle magazine it was like this magazine that my friends shared with me about like avant-garde transportation and like really cool socials about power boating and um chris you'll be able to get all into that stuff and then we ran into each other in miami and i saw this guy wearing some vehicle swag and i was like wait i was like vehicle uh are you involved he's like yeah i'm chris uh so through that we were kind of able to kick it off but i'll let you take it back why don't you tell us a little bit about the inception of the brand um maybe your love for offshore power boating and everything avant-garde transportation right sure thank you yeah, it was great when you were the first person, I think, to ever like call us out like in, in public, you know, so that was a, that was a, that was a historic moment and made my evening. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think I think where it started was like kind of with all this like censorship and like unfollowing and banning and shadow banning. And this was like maybe kind of pre pandemic. This was already kind of going on. And, you know, we're pretty we're like for we're pro freedom, like anti censorship, you know. So, um, we we were doing a project with Rolls Royce at the time. They'd come, they'd approached me and asked me if I wanted to do. They wanted to do something with me, and they kind of asked me, "You can do whatever you want." And I said, uh, "Okay, well, I need time and money." And they're like, "How much time?" I was like, "I need two years, and I just need to be able to send you like bills for stuff, and I need access to all the cars, like your global fleet." And they're like, "Done." And then uh, they were kind of, I think in, in like, they were like, is there going to be like a brief or anything? I was like, nah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we worked on that for two years. And um, uh, it was mostly just like us driving around to uh, like their competition with those cars and getting other jobs and like going to Porsche with the like purple Rolls Royce and like parking it next to the CEO of Porsche and like telling them what was like wrong with their company. And it was sort of like... Um, it was like, I mean, I'm like a, a jester, you know, so like I was just having fun with it. And um, yeah, and then we brought out like the, the final product was just like this like thing we shot on our phone. I just looked at it coincidentally. It's pretty weird. I was watching David Lynch at the time, like the remake of uh, of um, of Twin Peaks. So I was like taking a lot of audio from there and just making it like really weird. And I was kind of like, hey, the chances that they play this is very small. But if they do, it needs to be fucking like they let you do this kind of weird and I, 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 it is, it's a very strange film. And, um, when I sent it to them after like two years, which is a long time in their world, you know, they're like, mate, we love it, you know, but can you send us the hard drives and we're going to like re-edit all this stuff? 
And I was like, I, I wrote him a mail back and it said, when hell freezes. And that's like kind of when communications kind of like broke down. And, um, you know, we know each other for like two years. So it's a long time. We'd met like we we're like chummy. And um, I told him like, look, we're going to do this zine and it's going to be about how you deal with this. So it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. Like you, you, whatever you like choose to do and how you act, we'll just document it. And it's going to, you know, you choose. I kind of laughed at it and shrugged it off. And then later we brought out how uh, a Rolls Royce fucks with your brain. And that sort of became this like underground Bible, like between kind of like design students and interns and like people would like trade it and steal it. And, you know, we'd severed our relationship, no more Rolls Royces, you know, and there was no like pot of gold. There was no like, we're going to do this zine and, you know, we're like Kanye and then we're still going to be fucking mega rich. Like who gives a fuck? It was like, like, you know, no more Rolls Royces, basically. I mean, we had to deal with Porsche at that time, so it was a little bit of a, you know, the, took the blowout a little bit. Um, but anyways, we brought that thing out, and I liked it. I liked the fact that, like, nobody could, like, un unfollow it or ban it or, you know, like, like, like it, it is what it was. And then I was like, all right, how about we play this up a little bit and we do, like, a magazine, just, like, a $100 magazine. And um, I don't know. Then this, this powerboating topic came up with, like, Miami and... I kind of like the visuals. It was a, the, we always, she calls it the power hating scene. So these power boaters are like the, basically the worst people on the planet, right? No offense. There's maybe one or two that are okay, but the majority, and I work in like Hollywood and the art world and the fashion world. And like, I, I thought I'd met my match, you know, on like shitty people, but these power boaters, man, I mean, they're, they're like Trump supporters that even Trump hates, you know, they're just like, they're bad. Why is that? What's the roots behind you know, that? None, none. Like insanity. They they made up this thing after like we were pretty successful. We launched during COVID. We'd like printed the like up a thousand and you know we're selling these for a hundred bucks unseen, sight unseen, no advertising, and it was like a hundred eighty dollars worth shipping, right? In COVID, and it sold, and like we almost sold out, and then like, you know, we we're pretty pretty happy about that, and then we we're like re-upping during COVID, trying to get it printed here in Germany. You know, we take no shortcuts, like just the best printing, and you know, c complicated different papers and stuff. So, like, like there, this rumor started, kind of like the rumor, you know, where they're like, uh, the internet rumor, like Tom Hanks eats children or whatever, which you know it might be true, but like in our case, they came up with like that the magazine wasn't real. They're like, it's the ma vehicle magazine isn't real. <laughs> like, would you would you consider yourself like a member of that community or more so of a messenger of like that community transporting it to like you know like the art world or or design etc i don't think i'm a member of any community but like i, I was just basically exploiting like like the, like that that niche you know, because I'm very into niches, you know, so like you're in it. Well, I'm more of the observer. Right. So like we come in in Berlin, we have nothing to do with boating. Like I grew up on a sailboat. My like dad told me power boaters are trash, you know, like 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 I, I don't give a fuck. And I, like I just thought there's this story that I liked, you know, and it wasn't being like told well. So I was like, OK, we can take the story and, um, and, and, and 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 do a deep dive on it which was a story of two rival like power boaters that one of them had like a hit put on the other one allegedly and it's this like folklore in Miami and like in that scene where it's like if you ask 10 people you get 10 different like answers so we're like all right this is crazy so we we I, my my guy that like writes with me Dylan he like you know he's much smarter than me like he knows like how to write capitalize letters and stuff I'm dyslexic I can like barely spell my name so 
he, he and I worked on this and developed it for like maybe six months and it's all court records, you know, so we didn't make anything up. This is all just like court records that we made legible that it doesn't bore you to death when you read it. And then we wrapped over that dossier or like, like a 33 page expose. We wrapped like a really nice, like, um, entertainment on top of it, like transportation art and like transport art in period a guy that built a boat, just a few stories, smuggling, like modern day smuggling, how the cartels smuggle money. And we put that together in this, in this, in this more like art book, right? It's like your catalog. And anyways, that was, that was, that was basically inception of this thing. And we, you know, we sold out and then we, 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 we reprinted and kept selling out. Like, like this is, we didn't have enough to like re up so quick so I, I i put the price up to like slow down the sales you know i was like let's make it like 250 no one's gonna buy it and then like people just kept buying it and then i was like okay let's make it 500 and they kept buying it and then we made it a thousand and then like the the sales slowed down a little bit but they kept buying it as well so you know i'm the guy that sells a thousand dollar magazine and then later on we're like how about we do like a a special edition for ten thousand so we sold that you know, and, and by then we knew, noticed this cut like a year or so goes by that we have like a good following, you know, where like what we're doing isn't for everyone. And, you know, we everything we do is complicated and expensive, you know. So you, with that comes risk that you don't know if it's going to work out, you know. You don't know if like, I mean, we live in like communist Europe, nothing really bad is going to happen, you know, existentially. But like it's still, you know, time and ego and, you know, it's just one life to live. So you know, it'd be nice if it worked out. And uh, in this case, it has. You, um, yeah, you have like, you know, from $10 cold brew to $20,000 surfboards. And that to me, what that tells me is you're just selling a story. Your your brand really is a story that is manifested through these products. It's not that you're necessarily, you know, it's almost story goes first before the product going first and then the story. Yeah, the quality is an issue. You know, if you're not like LBMH and you own all that manufacturing and you can just push a button and everything looks dope, but you got to go around and like look at like like what coffee, we started doing other consumer products, like just stuff we like, we only do stuff we like consumer like ourselves, you know, so um, just starting with the magazine, you know, like most people, they take a shortcut, they print it in China or they print it in Poland or they near short or whatever. And you touch that magazine. First thing I do is when I get a magazine, I usually just smell it. I, I like take it up and go like, and if it's like some of these magazines, they smell like the, you're going to get like cancer. Yeah. yeah. By like just touching it, you know, like it's like toxic. So do that, man, go and print it for 20 K, you know, and like then it's sitting there during COVID. And you're like, my distribution, we're like, with the best distribution there is, apparently, they're like French and they're like, whatever, you know, they're, they got us into some nice stores. But they're like, you need to sell it for 12 euros. I'm like, no fucking way. I just spent like two years on this. Like, we're selling it for 100 minimum. And they're like, never going to work. And so, like, if you listen to that sort of gatekeeping community in whatever segment over the years, I found, you know, whatever it might be, if it's printing mag, I don't even fucking like magazines, you know, like, I don't read them myself. I've read my magazine once, you know, I hear great stuff. But like, I judge the things by like how the info is coming back by the by the consumer, you know, or the, the the person who actually bought it. I don't need to sit around and like jerk off to my own magazine, you know, like that's something that like I'll let other people do. But um, what I'm saying is that um, like this this extra effort that always goes in, it it to me, it feels like the magazine should cost a thousand, and that would be too little. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, it's a fine line, right, where you got to kind of like not get too crazy 
but like you need to also make sure that the lights stay on and that there's enough like cash flow coming in for the next project and like if you start doing something like a coffee which is pretty cash intense and it feels like i'm like constantly i have like a little fire wherever i go and i'm just throwing like 50 dollar bills in it you know and that's like the the project <laughs> you know the last six months and um you know that needs to be compensated so uh, i'd rather like in the beginning go a little higher and just sort of reach people that where it's maybe a little bit of a threshold and then they they look and investigate the catalog of our work you know versus just like the singular product which most startups or, or brands that are in one specific field there's i just had a meeting with a guy who i like who does really good cold brew and we're gonna like partner up and we're basically just licensing but we like that brand so much that we'd see him way more capable of like distributing this like on a b2c than you know like uh than us it's like peeing in the ocean like the way we work you know like it's like <laughs> doesn't you know like it's it, it's it gets overwhelming sometimes so i think partnering up uh at this point is is is, is essential you know like you gotta go and like click up like the italians do it you know they're they what they do or they did from beginning on with their olive oil they teamed up and they made a conglomerate and they said if you don't buy from us we'll fucking kill you you know, and uh, <laughs> it worked <laughs> to an extent, right? So um, I think now everyone's so like ego driven and so like, oh, I can do everything myself and get some VC. And then, yeah, you know, we've been talking about this, you know, like these money guys, like we've turned down millions, you know, and it's hard, you know, it's hard when you're leveraged, when your accounts are on like max, like, uh, and, and you got to turn down millions just because like the people you're dealing with, man, they don't make me, they don't make me feel good you know, and, and, and they'll be on their best foot forward, but they're always like, whenever I talk to them privately, they're like, I'm suing this guy. Yeah. I got to end this call. I got my lawyer on the other line. We're suing this guy. And I'm like, dude, that's going to be me. You know, if I deal with these guys, you know, and, um, uh, in this case, when, when, if you deal with other, uh, contemporaries in our case, you know, like someone like a coffee or something, some other guy doing a coffee in Berlin, um, you know, it's a little bit more level fielded where we both like want the same thing versus some guy with anonymous money. That's probably, that's not even his, you know, it's like, they're just, I don't know. I don't know how they got, they failed their way forward to uh, being managing that money. Right. And then you just become some bottom line. I think that's the, the, the biggest challenge at the moment is like when you've made it right, per, per, you're, you're there. Right. And then it's like, okay, what's gonna, how's this going to move forward? Right. And, um, and, uh, and, and also on a level where you can stay motivated where you're not just like working day and night with no end in sight, you know? So that's sort of the, 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 I'd say the challenge at the moment. Yeah. I think one of the things that I love how you guys approach things are one in terms of like brand values and what you guys come back to. And it seems like you guys have a very clear and defined idea of like what those principles are behind the brand. You're like, okay, quality, we're not compromising on quality for any reason. Um, and the other thing is embracing projects that actually projects and people that speak to you, right? Like at the end of the day, this is your life and your brand that you're running and it's an extension of that. So rather than involve people or projects that are going to be sucking your time and your resources and energy that you don't want to deal with, you're really hardlined on what it is that you guys align with and pursuing projects that like you want to do and sometimes that's hard right especially as you were saying like when you're putting together the magazine and everyone said oh there's no way you can sell a magazine for a hundred bucks you're kind of like well well watch me um you're able to do that so i'd love to talk a little bit about kind of how you guys make decisions in the face of 
I guess going against the grain a little bit, right? Like, and that's something that I've seen you guys do not only from the products that you build, but also the way you guys approach marketing, approach collaborations, even approach the way you've worked with other people. So why don't you talk about some of um, the biggest fans of Vehicle, who you've been been able to like bring on board in, in terms of fans in terms of your journey and would yeah would just love to ex- unpack that a little bit more about you know making maybe what seems like the unpopular decision and going against consensus sure well like yeah that's a good question it's like two kind of right so like who who like the for the flex right so we have like a, a race boat team that we sort of started at the same time and it was during covid and like i don't know it was kind of made sense we couldn't get to america and uh, we're here in Europe, and the the racing scene here is a little bit more modest. So like, uh, there's a circuit, but the boats aren't like super high powered, but they're cool. And we we um, got in touch with someone there, and and started working with this pilot, Jan, and his brother Paul, who have a race boat, very ambitious guys. And uh, the boats would race in Como, and we were living in Switzerland at the time because the COVID restrictions were a little more lax. So we were in Como quite a bit at Villa d'Est, and we like saw the races and you know, got in touch. And then we're like, all right, well, let's just like do this. Like, and we put our name on the boat and brought in some other partners and got a little bit of like funding and, and, you know, um, sort of publicity for this guy and his brother. And, and it's like a family affair, you know, there's not a lot of money in that sport. It's like people like really investing and, and driving long hours on the weekend to go race, you know, uh, so real motorsport. And, um, uh, yeah, the race team, uh, when we entered it, like people were like, yeah, it's not going to work. And then we became world champion that year. And uh, then uh, they were sort of like, they were like kind of trying to minimize that and said it was like luck or I don't know what they were saying. Didn't really care. And then we became European champions the year after. And then we became world champions again. And uh, then, yeah, then everyone hated us. But um, in that time, like we built up a car team with a rally driver prince albert and then uh we had a rally team and we also have these two lambos and these are all like people that like are just racing put it they're like printing out our name putting it on their vehicles like we don't we're not involved like financially god heavens and uh so that kind of happened and that's like a new click and then like fans would come to these races and then i was like okay we could like we're missing like a consumer product uh you know people buy like maybe one magazine or one hat or whatever we give most of those away so um we like thought about the drink, right? And we're a little over like sugary drinks, like sh- sugary energy drinks kind of done, right? So we're like, all right, well, coffee's kind of like the new beer, like the new energy drink. So let's investigate that. And like then spent a lot of time and money on that and came up with this uh, like very clean, uh, no sugar, uh, made in Germany, organic cold brew. And that sounds like super simple and like, like what's the big deal? Yeah, go and research like 40 coffee brands and look at what their ingredients are. A lot of the people put in coffee aroma, <laughs> coffee, you know, like, like putting whiskey and like aroma and a whiskey, like chicory fiber. Like this is like guys that are like now like chasing billion dollar valuations, right? In the shelves of like your local supermarkets, like doing these really dirtied up fucking drinks, you know? And we're just like, yeah, we don't like it, you know? And um, so we, we started that, we, we matched that with the race team and, uh, started pushing a little bit on that and getting people on these grids to start drinking the coffee and sort of saw that that was a thing. And um, then uh, we did something with Lapo, Alcon, his family owns Fiat and Ferrari. He has like this kind of like rich kid brand sunglass thing. Like kind of came in and like 
it was good, like helped us move forward. And then Drake's manager was like a fan of him. And then they came on board and then OBO, Drake's brand sponsored the race team. And that's how that kind of stuff builds up. But like, it's nice when you're on the treadmill and you get like a, 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 a DM from like Drake's manager. And then like you send him a magazine, he doesn't get it. I send another one. He's like, they both arrived. I gave the other one to Drake. <laughs> and I'm like, I wrote back, like, I've been waiting for that message for like 10 years. And so those things happen, right? But like, you know, those are good. I don't know. Always a good guy. But and then like you're introduced to the team, right? They're usually called like Derek or something like that. Like the people that work for these kind of famous people. And they're like, they hate you, right? <laughs> they're like, they're forced to work with you kind of. They're like, who, who did they bring this time? Who is this guy? What? This guy's not like, and then they like try to push you into some like format where like they want you to like produce with their like kind of like low quality product. They want to put your name on it and they're making it seem like that's like a win for you. And I don't know, it just gets kind of wonky, you know? So like, that's usually when we kind of back down when, when, um, when it's like a thin line, right? When you're like, you want that flex, you want that, that OVO post, but then you get the OVO post and you get like 12 new followers and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> these guys, you know, like, look at the numbers. How does this work? And then, you know, and you get a feeling with stuff, you know, like you're like, this isn't, this isn't gonna, but think, think, think what's going to happen if we do that? What's going to happen if that, and what happens if that happens? Like, you know, and I try to play that scenario on most stuff where it's just like, I want the cash and prizes. I'm 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 not a very educated guy, you know, like I I, I like rewards, but like it, there's a point where I think if you've had it all, you've lost it all, you've had it all, at some point you have a different sort of perception of like how is this going to make me feel, you know, or how has it made me feel? And that's I think the the part that probably only failure can like really uh guide you, right? Where it's like I tried that the last time and it sucked. You know, and I tied me up for a year dealing with cleanup, the mop job, right? And that's, that's, I think, like something that's the real luxury, right? If you like can walk away from a million bucks that is like basically on the way, like, you know, like the person's about like telling you they're going to send it the next day and, and turn it down. Like that's power, right? And that's like that, that, that it's tough. It's like the Arcone said, he's like, my fingers, like, on the trigger and the guns off safety you know it's like <laughs> you know like it, it loaded the gun you know and um that's how a lot of that stuff feels like the decisions aren't easy but most lot most of the time it's 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 joe who like uh comes in and you know gives me the voice of reason or we sit down and we just talk about it we're like yo like do we need it no would it be nice to have yes but is it worth it? No. And that's hard. That's a hard, that's a, that's, that's one of the harder things, right? That's, uh, uh, no one really teaches. So, so yeah, another thing I want to talk about, Chris, is, is working with Joe. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about, um, your guys' collaborative process? Joe, I know you do everything from the visual stuff to the graphic design and the brand. And Chris is out there, like, you know, making everything happen as well. So why don't you just talk about what collaboration looks like for you guys? together and and how you guys think about uh building awesome products that way hi this is my voice <laughs> i i thought about maybe not not talking at all it would have been funny uh because i could have been chris's imaginary wife um yeah collaboration how does it work um chris kind of already explained it i guess uh it's um 
it's him uh, making the plans kind of and me trying to keep everything on track and actually getting the the work done right the picture on the instagram the make and 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 i know it sounds like you're like downplaying yourself a lot but i think you have one of the mo- the coolest like approaches to to visual and graphic design that i've seen especially on social what you guys are able to do and in terms of just like the stuff you make you, you guys make really cool shit so just tell me about like how you think about designing like what into your graphic design process, into your product design process? How do you think about creative? I don't really think about it, to be honest. It's just uh, you get all the elements and you have them in your program and then you put them like in a way you like the looks. So that's kind of my approach. I guess it's more like maybe I'm more like an artist than a graphic designer in that sense. I don't know. A lot of a lot of the powerful people have complained that like they must have a messed up copy or something because the text is too close to the images. Um, yeah, that's that's the trick, I guess. You know, you don't think about it; you just do, and um, it comes from an authentic place. I'm curious, and your your guys' content is so different that when I see it, you know, I can't help but wonder where are you even getting this content? Like this is. You know, whenever I see your content, that's the first time I see that asset, that piece of content. It's not from a stock library, clearly. It's no video that is repurposed. Where is, like, what is your content strategy in terms of, you know, this creativity of unseen assets? It's almost like archives from the history books of the power boat racing industry. And so how do you source this stuff? What is what is the thinking behind that? Is that the intention? You know, we want to give people raw, unseen footage. I think it's like a curation more, right? Where it's like um, different sort of elements where like the juxtaposition of like like the contrasting elements, right? Where you have like something repurposed, we'll take a really, really famous clip and then I'll hunt down the owner. Well, that's the great thing. A lot of these like vintage clips that are in circulation the owners are still alive if they're not in prison or like been killed and so i'll track this guy down and we winter in miami you know so like a lot of these guys hang out there and then i'll harass the shit out of this guy to the point where they're just like dude it'd just be easier to meet with him Uh, he's not gonna go away and then they're like be at the marina at 9 a.m i'll and then like i go there and we got like two minutes and we sit in this G-Wagon and I put the phone on like the dashboard with the recorder. And I, I, I tell him just, I'll run the video. He just needs to comment it. Like he needs to say like what that was like that day. And then he'll do it and I'll hit stop. And I'll be like, okay, that's done. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it's done. He's like, okay, okay, cool. Well, thanks, thanks, man. I, I, um, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this either. Like nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, you're right, but like someone has to. And then uh, I'll go home and we'll take that audio and hopefully not delete it on the way home. That's happened too. And then um, well, I'll lay it underneath that clip and then we edit it a little bit and re-release it. And then it's that one thing that you were like missing, right? Like everybody knew that that video was being referenced to hell. You know, it was the video where like everybody was just like dying to know what the hell was going on 
and this guy just like he he did a really good job like really just like with like cadence and like just really it's it's brilliant and it just worked right and then we put that out and that's the extra layer of like like the art behind it where you didn't know if that was going to work right and you just sank like two weeks into it right and and just for that one audio with this guy and we released it and i didn't know how he was going to feel about that and then he just texts me like you know that night and he just says like you did a really great job thanks so much and then that thing goes out and then the next one gets done and we have so much that's like just i guess madness right where it's just like stuff that other people would maybe deem like not like a sure thing you don't know if it's going to work out right so especially the time investment in like how are you know most people are caught up in the volume and how are you going to scale the volume of doing that how do you scale that people are always thinking about scale right but here is it's kind of the opposite why are they right like why like oh like that would be probably out of like the reason like the algo needs to be fed right but if you'd like turn it around and just produce one asset that's really valuable and really good you can keep chopping it up keep re-releasing it like make it sparse like we'll we'll push it on on a channel and then re-release it like a month later and then people say we always love when this comes up and then we engage and say yeah like so do we and we like post it once in a while for like new members or new followers because they haven't seen it and then i don't know we look at other ways to seo you know like uh it doesn't need to be like we we're doing really well on TikTok, like uh, growing just with like awesome shit, you know. And then I don't know. It's just it's it's a it's a again mentality thing, right? Like uh, and, and a time thing and how you're set up. It's like what kind of it, what kind of I don't know if that translates in English, but like it's a democalist sword. Hang, it's a sword that's proverbially hanging over your head, about to fall. And if it did, like game over. It depends on like how high that's hanging, right? Or like what your tolerance level is for like feeling the tip of that blade touch your nose. So um, that's that's kind of that's kind of it. It's just sort of like going with against the 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 idea of what the looking at all the others, right? And be like, all right, this sucks. Let's try to do this a little differently. That's kind of the way I think. Uh, you know that that's the only way I can say it where it could maybe be duplicated or it could has some meaning, right? Really interesting in terms of how you guys go about, but it, I think that ethos is, it's the same thing that permeates throughout the brand, right? Like you guys are saying you're doing things that you're taking risks, but doing, and you kind of let things build on top of themselves. It, it, it almost feels like you're going into things to see what sticks and what really gives you pull. Um, so yeah, it's just fascinating because you guys have the social presence, the media presence that you guys have turned into, um, consumer goods to you know coffee we haven't even talked about you talked about your cold brew you didn't talk about your kopi luwak coffee the most expensive coffee in the world um so i we definitely want to hear a little bit about that but um yeah i just think that fascinating how you guys have started how you guys have positioned yourself and how you guys are really building brand instead of building products a lot of brands are they're like specific thing and everyone knows them as oh they're the you know, they're the, the supplement brand or they're the, the coffee to the magazine to, I mean, Chris, why don't you tell us even a little bit about some of the, the car collaborations you guys have done and like the couch stuff you've done. Want to hear it all. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like, like, like from that Rolls Royce zine that we put out, you know, the first one, we had some of those interns who then later fast forward years later, they're not interns anymore. And they 
or working in some industry like one guy like picked up a franchise for a french furniture brand called Lini Rosie which do a pretty famous uh sofa called the Togo sofa it's the one that kind of looks like low on the ground used to be at the standard on sunset if you've ever ever been to that hotel the whole lobby was full of them very low very uncomfortable but it looks great and um so he approached us and since we do we don't do any advertising for the magazine we do sell covers that's a that was a big one for us so we would sell a cover all in in you know like for for a considerable amount of money uh compared to an ad and uh that would basically finance the entire print run so we already in the plus before we ever sold a magazine you know and those covers they would basically be the vehicle cover with like an image of whatever that collaboration was on the cover and um the collaborations are always unique they always have to be something that is created by or with us it's not something that we're reproducing or taking out of an asset folder for some brand and saying we did that or photoshopped it or whatever so um yeah so that 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 happened and then we made a sofa with them and then at the same time we like then took over their brand communication and uh the store is now the highest performing store in the network of those stores in Germany which I think they have like a hundred or something right including their own from the brand uh that they're running in Munich there's like two or three from the from two two from the actual brand and then some franchises and we're the highest performing in that whole thing since we took it over and then hyped the shit out of that sofa and created a hashtag and got all the bloggers into it and all of a sudden it was everywhere and then we bought up like half a million dollars worth of the Togo sofas and squeezed the market and like all the other there's the man went through the roof and there, there's like five, like eight, nine months on that sofa waiting. And all the other like stores were like, we can't get any. Where are they? <laughs> They're with, we had them. And then even to a point where like really wealthy people that I know in the States were like, Chris, we, we can't get these sofas in America. Can you get us some? And I remember this one, one deal we did with someone who was like, yeah, he, he, he's funny. He asked me, he's like, Chris. I admire your, your taste and your style since a long, long time. So I'm going to ask you like a very personal question. Do you think that 32 sofas are enough? And I said, well, Ben, that's a very personal question. I think you're going to have to answer that for yourself. And then like he wrote me back like a day later. He's like, yeah, I'll take all of them. And I don't know if you know the sofa or if you Google it. We had like, I think, four units of it or something. And our whole like apartment was full basically. And this guy ordered like 32 or I don't know, like a, over 30 sofas. And then he had them FedExed to, to Palm Beach. I think the FedEx bill alone was like 25K, you know? So like these, these like these side deals sort of happen where the magazine is more like a business card and like people that come in touch with it and see like our kind of like uncompromised um, uh, ideal and quality that they can then transfer that over to whatever else we're talking about. Because like, magazine has such a preloaded sort of visual right it's like porn like the minute you say that you have that it's in your head everybody has a different image you say magazine it's like what is that is that like the national Enquirer, like at the checkout aisle at the supermarket or is that some trash or is it like a play like you don't it's like it, it, and then you see it and you're like ah, oh, okay i get it this is more like a book or like something like totally different and i think that that was like something that that played in quite well and um still does i think that's the thing like, and that's i don't want to get too all over the place and convoluted here but like what i'm trying to say is that like at this point i think it's getting easier to make something 
if you like it, right? So if you like a hot sauce, we just did a collaboration with my guy in, in Miami who does a hot sauce. And I liked the hot sauce. I didn't like the one he gave me. And I was like, he's like, how did you like that hot sauce I gave you? And I was like, I, I didn't. He was like, ah, oh, come on. I was like, well, I didn't like it. And he's like, why didn't you like it? And I was like, it tastes like there was garlic in it. I didn't like that. And then he's like, all right, okay, go on. I was like, it's too thick. It's, it was like kind of weird. He's like, okay, okay, well, then you got to try the one I eat myself. And I had it. And it was great. It was like watery, like Tabasco, had no garlic. I was like, what's going on here? Why aren't you selling this? And he's like, well, you can't manufacture it. Like you need this sort of gum in the, in the, in the hot sauce. So the machines don't squirt it all over the place. So it's a manufacturing issue uh, that that's very hard to get that quality without that that's that filler. And it's also for this sublamination process that most hot sauces are like seventy percent water and vinegar and, and carrot. So like it'll like if you don't put this gum in, it'll delaminate and it'll become like a gradient where the top is clear and it gets like people the consumer doesn't like that. They want like a bright, flashy red sauce in their aisle, right? So I told them to take all that shit out. And, uh, you know, that's, and we made a collaboration on that, on that edition, right? And through that, I get access to his 75 market spaces, you know, the ones that I don't have to go to. And through that, automatically, I'm in his like Amazon shop on the side. Uh, we're in the 75 sp shops. It's really hard to get into shops. They're like record stores. They're like Nazis. They like, they, they're horrible. It's horrible experience getting into stores. Uh, if you're doing it without distribution. So just by doing this like chess move where you're partnering with someone you like on th with their product, you can like access their network. I think that's 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 been an interesting experience because like we went like up and down the coast in Florida and we're standing in these fucking stores talking to these like, they weren't the smartest people. Store owners. Store owners. Um, about like getting into their store with our coffee. And, and and they they manipulate you and they they kind of like hint at that they want to be bribed and it's just a really really bad energy. So um that, like like what I'm getting at is like that partnership angle where you can like partner up. Uh, I think personally, food and beverage is, a, is my favorite. It's just it's it's because I it's the stuff I consume the most of or I spend the most time on. Um, just hacking that a little bit, you know, and seeing where it goes. And at the moment, we collaborated now with this brand here in in, in Berlin that. I found them at Soul House and I was kind of like, I want to try them. They're the competition. And I liked it. I was like, holy shit, these guys are really good. I, I sent him a mail and he's like, I'm in Berlin. I'm like, let's meet up. Okay. And then like, bing, bang, boom. I'm like, hey, how about we like partner in, in just for the Soul House uh, mini, mini bars? And he's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then, you know, like that kind of thing at the moment, I think um, this partnership stuff and sort of collaborating, um, I, I, I find... Um, more rewarding than dealing with the industry, right? Or the gatekeepers or like the same people like those magazine guys that told me I'm never going to sell the magazine for the price I think it's worth um, and and did. Um, the same thing here with this consumer stuff where like the people that are running that, that industry, they're not known for being very friendly, right? Or fair, you know, like a 60-40 split in a supermarket. I think that's a bad deal. And I, I have like night school education. Also the payment terms, it's like net... I don't know what you don't even get paid like that month, right? So you're putting the money up front. You're essentially doing the business for them, and they have you by the balls. They know that, you know. We get paid by the magazine distribution once a year. Yeah, if if we would just for reference, if we would have listened to those guys with the with the distribution, like I'd be living under a bridge. Oh man, um, no, I absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, and Chris, kind of as we wrap up here, um, want to know, want to kind of get an idea of what's next in the, the pipeline for vehicle. Like, what are you guys working on? What are you working on personally design projects, different products that you're launching? Like what gets you excited? What are some of the things you're really inspired about and excited to build? Um, yeah, I can't talk about it too much, but uh, at the moment, it's a lot of unsexy stuff, just basically um, optimizing existing things that grew and um, just really putting in the miles, you know, like I feel like Ray Kroc, who like, you know, like it's the miles in the car, you know, where we drive from Berlin to Copenhagen, it feels like 13 hours, one ride to like meet the one person that's really into our brand has been selling us for a long time. And, um, um, yeah, can you answer that before it goes again? Thanks. Sorry. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and then going there and setting up the next sort of like what's next with the coffee thing. Right. Cause like humans, in my opinion, or myself included, you know, we're very basic to a certain extent. If someone like is doing a magazine and the next minute they're coming around with a coffee, it could be a little jarring, you know? So that, that takes a little bit of massaging, a little bit more time that I'd like, but going there and like meeting this guy and talking to him about the coffee, going into like seven stores in Copenhagen and seeing that there's nothing, it's wide open. It's like coming somewhere where something doesn't exist and, and you're just like, wow, I, I, I could just, it'd just be me. And you go there and the people are friendly, good looking, have money and they're hungry and they like coffee. They just don't know that they like cold brew yet. And it's that moment where like, I'll tell one last story that kind of makes this like, like worthwhile. When, when I was going to boarding school, one of my seven boarding schools I went to in five years, one of them was in, uh, in, in Berchtesgaden, which is like on the, on the border to Austria. And on the weekend, when we take the train to Munich, you could either go like the short way or the long way, which went over Salzburg, which is in Austria. And in Austria, they had a drink that they didn't yet have in Germany because it was not, it was uh, not the, the German version of the FDA hadn't approved it yet because it had an, uh, an ingredients that wasn't certified yet. It was a, a drug. So this brand was called Red Bull. And we would go to Salzburg and we would get out real quick. Sometimes you'd have to like run before in between trains to the kiosk. In, at the at the train station and score some Red Bull. And then we'd take it in the train and try to kind of like stash it in our shit. And then on the on the border crossing, the they'd have like the the customs guys come from like train thing to train thing. And I remember one time I got caught and they took my Red Bull away, right? And they and they I I ended up with like one of the cans out of all like the six or whatever I bought. And I took it home and I put it in my like like IKEA glass thing in the in the in my childhood bedroom you know i put it like up in the in the thing and like clothes had like a down spot on it and like the the can was in there like like being presented and at that time if you would have told people that red bull one day would take over like the fucking world basically of of of, of drinks um i wouldn't you know people wouldn't have believed it right and all big things start small and that's just the thing it's, it's tedious it's like it's it's you know, you drive those 60 hours and you spend 5K to meet one person to get a can into some place and you don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's risk, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like us driving to Denmark in our Range Rover, like we went to McDonald's, we didn't go to Noma, but you go, we went to McDonald's and had a cheeseburger. 
But so you drove to Denmark and had a cheeseburger. And it wasn't even that good. Wasn't good. And um, and then you get into this one place, and then you come back, and then you hear that he got his box, and he's super stoked, and like he re- lives next to a, like uh, the store's right next to a high school, and he's gonna start seeding the drink into with to the high school students, and then these things take a life of their own, and you just gotta remain open to the idea and have faith that one of those things is gonna be the one that makes it all decide. And and the weirdest thing is, you think there's twenty other brands lining up next to that high school, right? You think there'd be like the Coca-Cola Corporation, Pepsi, Red Bull, whatever. Like it's it's not a very it's 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 not a very heavily guarded uh uh market, you know? It really isn't. It's, it's in my opinion it's only by this distribution mafia. They're the ones that are basically dialing it in, right? And if you can somehow chip away at that, it's uh it, it's 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 a it's <laughs> it's challenging. <laughs> all right guys well well we loved having you on this was such a fun episode and for anyone who's following along where do we fall fo- where can we follow you guys personally as well as uh vehicle the brand and all your other subsidiaries where do we find you all over i'd say probably instagram is still the least favorite but the one that gets updated the most for on tiktok uh, vehicle magazine vehicle magazine tv a lot of powerboat uh, stuff mixed with um, other cool stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yes. thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.